Hello, and welcome to Launch Legends, the only podcast focused exclusively on the stories behind internet marketing's biggest and best launches. Each week, we sit down with an online marketing expert to tell the story of one of their launches, what went well, what didn't, and how much cash they made. And now, your host, Hamad Akbar. Hello and welcome to another episode of Launch Legends. Today we are speaking with Steve of Badger Mapping. Badger Mapping started in 2012 and currently does $4 million in revenue and over 3,500 customers. Steve deep dives into how he remotely manages four offices based in San Francisco, Utah, Spain and Philippines. He talks about the problems with remote management and how to overcome them to run operations efficiently. But before we go ahead, if you're listening to this on a podcast, please rate and review. If you're watching this on YouTube, please hit the subscribe button and leave a review. Hey, Steve, thank you very much for coming on the show. So CEO of uh, Badger Mapping, you're you're the number one app in App Store for sales, you know, field sales. Uh, MBA from Stanford. I know you guys have about 3,500 customers and you're doing about $4 million in revenue. But before we talk about anything else, let's talk about who, who you are. And uh, why did you start Badger Mapping? Sure. Yeah. Um, well, my I guess the reason I started Badger was I, I my whole background was in field sales, and um, I guess I, I had originally uh, so I knew a lot about the problems that field salespeople face, and um, as a result, I when I was at Google and I was working very closely with uh, the mapping API that they have and Android. And I, I could kind of see how I could use mobile and, and mobile mapping to be a platform to solve a bunch of problems that field salespeople had. And so in uh, 2012, I January 2012, I, I started Badger. Got it, got it. And let's talk about, I mean, you started Badger, but let's talk about the product growth. Did you, have, how long before you actually launched the product and what kind of phase problems did you face? Well, I guess, uh, you know, the, it's always challenging to uh, build a piece of software and get, get something out the door that's good enough that people can, can use it and they're willing to pay for it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, our, uh, I guess we had something that we could sell about a year in, and, uh, but it was pretty basic. Basically, we were taking, it only worked on the, on the browser, only in Chrome and only in the browser. Um, didn't work on uh, the mobile devices yet. Mm-hmm. But uh, we basically could just take a salesperson's customers and and lay them out on a map. Mm-hmm. And next we got the ability to colorize those and then filter those. Um, then we got the ability to build routes out and optimize those routes. Uh-huh. Um, and really... <clears throat> We, we were able to get our first big customers just with the ability to, to colorize the points on a map and, and filter them. So in 20, it was about January, 2014, we did our first uh, like 300 K deal. And, uh, and, and that was, that was with a, a big dental company uh, right. and they, they have field sales reps that go and sell stuff to dentists. And uh, they, they had, some challenges around helping to figure out which types of customers they should have their customers, their, their sales reps focus on. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so we were able to connect with their CRM system 
and, uh, and, and solve that problem. But it was really a pretty basic product at that time. Yeah, the product didn't really do everything we wanted it to do until like 2017. And, uh, and, and, and also work really well with no bugs and that sort of thing. So um, from 2000 till 2000, you know, sorry, 2012 to 2014, uh, did you have any customers at all? Or you were still working with the beta users trying to build as much as possible, get it to a point where it could be sellable? Yeah, we, we had customers, but they were generally very small and, and, uh, they needed simpler things. Um, you know, by 2017, you know, the product was kind of enterprise class mm-hmm. and, and could, could meet the needs. And, you know, when people would ask us questions, the answer was yes, that sort of thing. Right. So, uh, Steve, I really want to talk about the, the I know you guys are doing extremely well with uh, remote teams and, uh, and you're very good at that. So look, let's talk about how your company is structured right now. Okay. So, We've kind of all we, we we're not a remote first company, but we just we have four offices. So we kind of we've been dealing with um, a lot of the problems that companies are dealing with right now being remote. We've been dealing with a lot of those problems for a while. So we have an engineering team, well, mostly engineering, um, some sales, some customer success in uh, in product mm-hmm. in Spain. Headquarters is in San Francisco. Mm-hmm. Um, we have a sales and customer success team in Utah. Mm-hmm. And then we have um, the uh, an ad an administrative team in the Philippines, right? And uh, so we we've kind of been dealing with working and man, you know I've been working on managing people across all these different places for for a long time. So let's talk about that, Jim. How did you start, and where did you end up? In terms of, uh, I'm sure you had lots of problems in the beginning where. I mean, I, I know myself, for me to manage remote teams, I find it very difficult. So let's talk about how you progress from the starting to the point where you can manage them properly. Yeah, I, I think, uh, you know, we there are cultural challenges and, and just, you know, learning to work with people across different cultures. I think uh, empathy challenges and really understanding what's actually going on on the ground mm-hmm. in, in far and away places. Um, I think, uh, you know, there's training challenges and, um, communication challenges. Uh, I, I think, you know, I, there, there's, there's a whole, there's a whole litany of reasons why it's challenging to, to manage remote teams. But I think, you know, the way the world is globalizing, um, whether we had coronavirus or not, we're, we're doing more and more working across cultures, across, you know, a, a company often is, is across borders. Mm-hmm. And so it, it's something that it, I think it's important for everybody to kind of try to get good at it. Right. So Steve, let's talk about the day-to-day processes and systems you've put in place to run a very efficient system with the remote teams. Let's talk about them. What kind of, what, you know, what kind of processes do you have? Um, well, I think uh, we we use the, the platform that we mostly use to collaborate is uh, the Google Apps platform. So you know, emails and um, we we have regular meetings in place for different people who are working together on different things. Um, I think uh, the some of the more important processes is to is to help people empower people to to kind of control their own workload and control what they're doing and make decisions if you're 
if you, you, you really, it's really hard to centralize all the decisions if, uh, if you're in a, in a remote environment, cause it's really hard to, it, it's, it's really hard to, to, uh, kind of understand what is really going on on the ground level in a, in, in a place that's, that you're not in. So I think it's really important to empower the leadership in these places that are far and far and wide and, and, uh, and empower the people that are there to, to make those decisions. Right. Could you give me one example where you were probably not getting the results you wanted and then instead you just empowered the person, trained them, and they started delivering where you started getting the results you wanted? Um, yeah, well, we, we were struggling with uh, at one point with the product side and, and just kind of having it syncing with what engineering needed and just kind of having everyone on the same page. And the answer there was just to move the the person who was running product from San Francisco to uh, Spain, and so the the person the person that was running product just uh, he uh, he moved to Spain for a year and a half, and then by by being there for that amount of time, he he was able to understand those what was going on there and, and communicate that much better, and that really solved the, those communication issues and getting people on the same page. Great, great, great. So what about now? What kind of training and coaching do you do? Um, well, I think, uh, you know, you, you've always got to be training and coaching, especially in in, uh, in in these types of crazy times, right? Times of change, right? Mm-hmm. I think uh, it's it, as a manager, you want to spend about half your time um, – coaching and up-leveling your team's skills, uh, you know, not, not that half your time should be spent, you know, teaching class or anything, but just talking through things with people, um, debriefing, strategizing, um, okay. joining, joining them in meetings, um, uh, you know, fe- doing specific, specific coaching around a specific thing that people are doing right now. I mean, a- anything along those lines would count towards that 50% uh, of your time should be spent kind of interacting and coaching rule of thumb. Um, you know, I think, uh, you know, in, in terms of what needs to be coached, it's really depending on the te- depending on the team, right? I mean, uh, if our, our sales team, for example, is scattered all over the world and that, you know, and, and that, that it's, that makes that, that team harder to coach and, and really wrap your head around what, what they need to work on than like the, the engineering team where, where everyone's really in the same place already. Right. Right. I mean, you talked about leadership. Let's talk about that. How does, how does that work in remote teams? How do you make sure that you impose someone and you make someone a great leader to deliver when they're in a remote environment? Well, I, I think a remote environment is a, it really gives you an opportunity to give people real responsibility, right? Um, you can't control everything, um, even if you want to. So, you know, a remote environment is probably the hardest, hardest type of environment to be a great leader. Yeah. Um, uh, the, the, but I think it's it's uh, th- these remote environments that also need great leadership more than more than anything else, right? Um, in particular, in the times we have, we're having right now, right? Yeah. In, a, in a time of economic crisis, um, I think leaders need to be they need to really confront reality. They need to be action oriented. I think um, 
And to be honest, in their assessments uh, of the challenges that face their organization, uh, you know, there's a lot of there, there's there's a lot of bad news floating around a lot of times these days, and and and, and uh, you, you have to embrace that as a as a remote leader, and uh, you have to ask the hard questions and figure out what's really going on, and uh, at the same time, you need to maintain a positive outlook, right? You need to build an act- action plan um, that. And you really need to be transparent with your team about that plan and what what that plan is. Right. Okay. Um, and you know, a, a team, you, know, you you have to be responsive to your team's needs, right? And people are worried right now. They're worried about losing their jobs. They're worried about, you know, how hard it's going to be to get another job. They're worried about their, you know, their their salaries being going away or going becoming smaller. Um, so I think, uh, you know, it's 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 easy to go silent if you're a remote leader, right? It's easy to just, you know, hide behind your computer screen and, and, uh, and email and, and not really engage. But I think you have to do the opposite to be a, a successful leader in a remote world. You have to, you have to get in front of your employees and ask them the questions, figure out what, what they need from you in the organization to be successful. And, uh, you, know, it, you can try to figure out who's having success across the remote organization right now mm-hmm. and, you know, what the playbook was for that success. And then you can, w- with the help of that employee that figured out how to, how to be successful, you can try to have them work with them to, to train the, the rest of the remote team and, and replicate that ses- success across the organization. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a great thing you said that it's very easy to just hide behind your computer when you're in a remote environment where you probably just forget and probably think for a short while that, look, everything is fine. No one's really shouting anything. No one's coming to you with problems. So you might just get complacent yourself. Uh, And that's happened to me before. Um, Do you have a weekly or daily routine where you do certain things where you know that they know you're there for them and you basically, they see you all the time. I think frontline frontline managers in a remote environment should have a, a daily stand up, you know, a remote daily stand up with their team. Um, uh, since I manage people that are managing people, I don't do that. But um, but we we meet, you know, weekly as a as the management team to discuss stuff and, and kind of all stay on the same page. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, but yeah, I think. You know, for some teams, it's not it's not a bad idea to have two standups a day. One at the beginning of the day to kind of get everyone on the on the same page, and then another one at the end of the day. Yeah, yeah, we tried that, but I think the fact that team find it too aggressive, they so we had to dial it back to one standup a day. I think that worked that worked for well. So, um, Steve, let's talk about the KPI. The thing in a remote environment, tracking KPIs is extremely important. Where I think it's very easy to deviate from what you should be working on. So I'm guessing you have very strict KPIs in place. Yeah, I think, I think uh, KPIs are a way that you communicate what's important to the organization, what direction things are sailing. And if you're going to empower people in the organization to make decisions, you have to kind of show them what yardstick they, that we're making decisions by, right? Right. So what kind so, of um, I guess one one thing to think about with KPIs right now is um, when you're remote. I think the, the you can want to focus on different KPIs um, than 
than uh, in a when when you're all in the same room or uh, certainly in a in a good economy versus a versus a bad economy. Um, in, in a in a good economy, it's e- and when things are stable, it's much easier to to focus on what I call lagging APIs. So things like a lagging API, meaning like this API, this KPI is is uh, is reflective of what has happened in the past. Like revenue, for example, is a lagging API. Like the the stuff that we did over the last four months determines our revenue here in November, right? And I think you know the it can be really helpful when you're in this remote environment to go to switch to forward-looking APIs. Right. I'm sorry, KPIs, not APIs. Um, forward-looking KPIs. So you can kind of realign the, the, the company on metrics and, and, and the KPIs that, that really show what's going on in this month, in this week. Right. So, you know, for, so don't look at something like revenue, but instead look at something like, um, you know, activity-based um, activity-based KPIs can be really helpful in a remote environment. So, like, what has gotten done this week? What you know, if it was a a marketing team, how many how many pieces of content did they create, or how many you know, if it's a sales team, how much how many outbound how many how many meetings resulted from the outbound calls this week? Sure. Um, so, m- more around the the uh, what's happening right now. You know, um, so I think that can be really helpful to, so if you can identify what do people need to be doing right now to create success in the future mm-hmm. and, and you can, and you can manage that. Now there are some challenges with that too. Um, because sometimes you can, if you're counting, if you count certain things in the moment, you can, um, get skewy results, right? So you can, like, if, you, if you're, counting things other than revenue or profit for a sales team, for example, um, you know, you can, you can start counting non-revenue producing things like, you know, qualified deals or proposals made, it's, et cetera. And, you know, if you, you'll end up getting, if you, if you only count things like proposals and only count forward looking metrics, you're, you're much more likely to get a whole bunch of proposals, but you're, and people will optimize themselves around that, but they won't necessarily be optimizing themselves out of around, um, around the revenue. So that, that's, that's a challenge that you have to deal with too. Great, great, great. So, so Steve, I mean, you've, uh, you've come really far with your, you know, remote management, but just imagine you're starting all over again where you've got a bunch of people working in-house and you're going remote and you know everything you know now. So imagine someone else is listening to this and they think, okay, we want to be Steve where we want to go fully remote and we are managing things properly. What kind of strategies would you start with? What kind of things you would start with? Let's go step by step. Okay. Yeah. Um, well, I think, I think, uh, the first thing you have to do is if you're, if you're going remote and there's different kinds of remote, right? There's remote, everyone's working from home and there's also remote, everyone's in remote offices, but they're in, in an office. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, and, and, so if you're going with an office, if there's, you know, a remote office that you're opening up in, in Eastern Europe to yeah. do um, your engineering and get access to great, the great engineers that are over there. Yeah. I think uh, it's, it's hard. It's really hard to manage a team of engineers 
if the leader of the engineering team is is in San Francisco, for example, mm-hmm. and that team is all in Bulgaria, I think it's important for the manager of that team to spend the majority of their time in Bulgaria. Yeah. So, you know, the, you can hire someone local or you can send someone from your main office to that place. But I, I think someone does have to be on the ground managing that team. Yeah. Now, if it's fully a remote team, then, uh, and, and people are truly scattered everywhere, then, then the geography of the management team obviously doesn't matter, but you've, you've got to really put a lot of structure in place around how are we communicating with people? How are we interacting with people? Um, how, how, how are we listening to what they need to be successful on a daily, weekly basis? Right. So let's imagine you have 15 engineers working for you, all different places, all working from home. Uh, what kind of structure would you, place, you know, put in place? I, I fully agree with you that if you have all your engineers, maybe say out in Bulgaria or Czech Republic, then someone from your San Francisco team should go down and just work alongside them and make sure they're fully trained, you know, figure out what their problems are. That's probably the easiest thing to do. But if you have 15 engineers working from home from all over the world, that's, that, that, that's when it becomes a lot more difficult. How would you set up a structure mm-hmm. for that? Well, we, we use Agile and, and, and Sprints to, to kind of do that our, at our company. Um, but we, we spend a lot of time kind of figuring out what people are going to be working on next, right? We have There's a lot of meetings and thinking things through and, and coordinating the different pieces. Yeah. I think there, there are a lot of frictions for certain types of jobs that, uh, that go along with being a fully remote team. Um, but I think you... you it, it, it's it's important to keep everyone on the same page and and put the the, the structure in place that that, that 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 there are these kind of regular communication, yeah. uh, um, regular ways to communicate and and kind of keep track of everything that's going on. Mm-hmm. But it's you know for for some jobs it's not that hard to to coordinate remotely for for others it's extremely difficult so and i i think the more the more people are reliant on each other the more you know meetings you have to have and kind of clear delineation you have to have and uh and communication right right so one question i've been asking myself is uh look uh working from an office has its benefits one of those being building the culture where you can actually really control the culture you can really make sure, you can keep an eye on it and make sure that everything is running fine, people are happy, um, they are motivated, they're working with each other, collaborating well. How would you do that for a remote team where you've got 15 people working from all over the place? How do you build culture then? Um, I think that's hard. Um, you know, it, it's uh, onboarding new people is really hard remotely. Um, you know, I it's just a different culture than you can have in person. I think it's harder to build relationships. We've been doing some game playing, um, you know, but I, I think, I think it's, uh, you know, if, if, if you're permanently remote, it's just, it's going to have a, the company will have a, a different feel than if you are, you know, in an office, a different culture will, will, uh, will develop different types of camaraderie. I mean, I think, uh, and, and it's still, that's very attractive to some certain types of people, I think. I mean, we, we're planning on 
going back to the offices here, hopefully next summer. Mm-hmm. But, um, but I think it's, uh, we we're, we've been kind of leaning on the culture that we already had during, during these remote times. Yeah. But it's, it's, uh, if, if you're truly a remote first culture, it's just going to feel different than, uh, than if you weren't, I think. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. Right. Um, but there's less, uh, less camaraderie and, and less, I, I guess, friendship in the office. I think if people are all remote, exactly, which, I mean, which some know. people like. Yeah, but I've been thinking all these big companies like Twitter—they're like you know people can work from home forever. Uh, I'm not sure if they eventually thought through what's going to happen after a couple of years where everyone's just doing their own thing and they don't really have a culture. And uh, I don't know, maybe they might have some strategy. But I question whether that's the right decision or not. Maybe there, there has to be some kind of hybrid solution where they can work from home, they can work from the office, or they meet frequently, some kind of thing. I don't know. Maybe there's a way. Uh, we all need to figure that out. What other strategies could you have in place to make sure that you have a real remote you know, working environment doing really well? Well, um, other strategies to to uh to have a remote team i guess um i think you you have to have communication be really easy so slack's great uh, the google app suite is great um mm-hmm. but i think people do it's important that people get to know each other to some degree and and you want to have strategies around that so you want to have um the types of you want to set things up so that people can interact and can have fun um, in, in, in a remote environment too, or else I think it, it becomes a drag if you can't ever have any fun. Right. Yeah. yeah. So we, and, and this is a, a challenging time right now, obviously, but, um, mm-hmm. but I think, uh, you know, there, there are, there are a lot of companies that, that will always be, um, remote first and, um, and that's becoming a, that's become a trend that's more and more common. So if that is the, you know, I, I think, mm-hmm. You know, I, I'm in terms of like building a culture. I think, uh, yeah, I think it's it's just a a different kind of culture. That that's the thing I would stress is you're, you you people are going to know each other less well than if they're in an office together, sure. and sure. and it becomes more about uh, the the work at hand than it becomes about you know some people some work environments. The, the the work environment is mostly about the people that are that are there, right? Like I think that's what motivates certain people to to come every day and and, and put yeah. in their best. It's about the team. It's about the people that are there, yeah. and it's if people aren't regularly meeting each other, that's very hard. I think you can get everyone together um, a couple times a year, rent an Airbnb or something, and have everyone work. Yeah out of the same place to kind of build those relationships and, and, you know, meet, meet for dinner, et cetera. Yeah. Um, that it is, it's challenging though. I mean, especially if everyone's all over the world. Right. Yeah. But we, we do a lot of moving people around. So the people from the Spain office will come visit the Salt Lake office. People in the Salt Lake office will come visit the Spain office. Mm-hmm. Um, we, any, any of the American employees, can spend a month or two in Spain um, every year, and we have we have uh, apartments over there that they can stay in, and they they really enjoy that. They have a lot of fun doing that, and it's kind of that's I think deepened relationships across these places, um, and 
and, and vice versa. The people from the Spain office will come stay here. We've got an apartment in yeah. in uh, San Francisco and one in Utah, and and so we'll kind of we're able to kind of mix everyone together and get together for events. We have an annual event where we get everyone together for. Yeah. Um, this, this year we'll be doing that remotely, but, um, I think that stuff's important for people to really get to know each other. Yeah. That actually kind of reminds me of one thing. I was interviewing someone, a candidate fresh out of college and very bright. And, uh, one of the conditions was that they had an offer from a couple of other companies and all of them offer work from home forever. And they took that as a perk. So I was thinking, that's a kid, right? That he he needs to go out, he needs to meet people, he needs to learn from his, you know, elders, senior people. If he's going to work from home forever, and he's going to start his career working from home, and wherever he's going to go, the other company, we well, didn't hire him, uh, they offered him work from home forever. So what is he going to learn? How is his career going to progress over time? Because he would never pick up those skills you only get from working alongside great people. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. Um, and, and, you know, if you are in a remote-only situation and it's going to be that way for a while or forever, I think you need to work on having that type of mentoring. You have to work on setting that up and, and putting the infrastructure in place so that people do mentor the next generation at your company. That's important. Yeah, yeah. So, Steve, thank you very much. One last question. So, I mean, I'm, I'm probably retracing myself how do you see this whole remote working playing out in the next five years, especially with the COVID that's come about? Um, <clears throat> I think, uh, I think I suspect that most companies will go back to work and, and be in offices again after there's a, a vaccine out. <laughs> that's my, that's my guess. Um, I think that the companies that, and, and when you look at who's really committed to long-term working from home and, and working only remotely, yeah. I think a lot of those companies, they they often sell something that enables that. So it's like, sure, Slack says you can work remotely forever or Zoom thinks you can do that or Microsoft thinks you can do that. It's a, they, the companies that are saying, yeah, we could just work, we can all work remotely forever and never leave our bedrooms. I think a lot of a lot of times there's those companies the companies that are that are saying that there's a reason for it. Yeah. Yeah. Um so I I doubt that um we're going to figure out that that working remotely forever is is uh, is a great fit for most companies. Yeah. Now I think it can work sometimes on a long-term basis but you just have to be very thoughtful about it. Yeah. But on the on the balance I think um, people will be back in offices. Yeah, I think my gut feeling is that there's going to be probably some hybrid solution where it's going to be a combo of working from home and working from office, that kind of stuff. I think that's probably the most logical thing that's going to happen. Um, mm-hmm. Anyway, Steve, thank you very much for coming on the show and uh, I hope I can uh, speak to you very soon again. Thank you very much. Yeah. Thanks so much for having me. That's it for this episode of Launch Legends. If you enjoyed listening and would like us to find and share more online marketing launch stories, please search for Launch Legends in your favorite podcast listening app and then subscribe, rate, and review. Until next time.